Our text tonight will be Proverbs chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. It's chilling to me in a way when you think if a particular group of people had their way, I would never be able to preach God's Word freely again. I would be censored on what I would be able to preach from God's Word. And uh, I'm going to cherish the freedom that I have as long as the Lord allows us. And God forbid we be slack to not support that at the voting booth. God will hold us accountable. Last week, Brother Shepherd expounded on verses 1 and 2, and I'm so thankful for him uh, filling in. And uh, we enjoyed uh, watching the church. And I was amening uh, there in Indiana as he was preaching God's Word. Sure enjoyed it. And, uh, and instead of breaking the, the thought at verse 2, And beginning a new topic in verse 3, our King James translation ties them all together. By beginning verse 3 with the word for, and I agree with the translators on this because verse 2 speaks about our lips. And verse 3 speaks about somebody else's lips. Have you noticed that? Verse 2 speaks about our lips. Verse 3 speaks about somebody else's lips. And verses 1 and 2 tell us how to take heed to the Proverbs. The following verses that I'm going to teach about tonight tell us why we should. So what Brother Shepherd taught on last week tells us how to take heed to the Proverbs. Tonight, why we should. In verses 1 and 2, Solomon told us to, if you take your pens... Brother, Brother Shepherd's not so much of a marker, but I like to mark. So, underscore the word attend. Underscore the word bow. These are the action words. Underscore the word regard. Underscore the word keep. Attend, bow, regard, keep. So, attend... Prick up your ears. Bow. Lean close so you can hear. Regard. Fence in the words I give you. Keep. Lock the gate so the words will not be stolen. In verses 1 and 2, we attend with our ears. We bow with our backs. We regard with our hearts. And we keep with our lips. The lips in verse 2 are considered like a gate, or as the Hebrew uh, language describes it, like a border that needs to be kept secure. The words of God enter our ears, but they should not slip out our lips, out our mouths, right? And get away from us. So if you think of your head sort of like a container, and the wisdom gets poured in, we've got to make sure it doesn't leak out. <laughs> so uh, we should keep our lips closed in that metaphorical sense, lest someone break in and steal that wisdom away. Someone that is like a strange woman. Attend, bow, regard and keep, verse 3, for the lips of a strange woman are because of the lips of 
of a strange woman. And a strange woman meaning one that is not your wife. One that does not belong to you in marriage. The lips of a strange woman don't keep the wisdom of these proverbs. On the contrary, the lips of a strange woman are kind of like a, a crowbar. Or better than that, maybe it'd be better um, illustrated as the old credit card. You know how sometimes you can go to a door that's locked, but you can take a credit card out and you can slide it through that trim and get that door open? And that's the way the lips of a strange woman are. They'll break into your heart and take wisdom away from you if you do not hedge that wisdom about and keep it. A strange woman, someone new and exciting that enters into your life. Or if you're a woman, a new and exciting man. Someone new comes to work and they're attractive and they're kind. About your age. Someone new joins the gym. Or whatever. And they begin showing an interest in you. You're a little flattered. You're a little taken back. Feels good to have someone pay attention to you. That's the concept of a strange woman here. And the reason the woman is targeted is because the man is often vulnerable uh, in his strength, as strong as a man is, and as easy as a man can conquer the opposite sex in a physical battle. In the battle of sexuality, the man is often the weaker species. And so he is uh, warning here, keep the wisdom I give you, lest the lips of a strange woman come and break into it and take it away. And the lips of this new, exciting stranger, Solomon said, look back in your text, drop as in honeycomb. Meaning her words drip from her mouth as honey drips from the honeycomb. Her words are so sweet. Oh, I tell you what, man. You know what happens in a marriage? Don't ever, ever let this happen. And if, it, if, it's, if your marriage has already gotten to this point, you need to repent before God. You need to repent to your mate, both of you. And you need to commit to the Lord to never let that enter back into your home again. If your marriage ever gets to the point to where your words... Begin to criticize your mate. And I mean putting them down. You're, you're at a bad spot in your marriage. I'm not saying that you should not be allowed to bring something to your mate's attention that concerns you. Or that you're troubled by. That you believe they did wrong. Or maybe they did something wrong. We should always be able to be confronted. We should want to be confronted if we've done something wrong. If I've done something wrong, I want to make it right. And, uh, uh, but I'm talking about where we get to the point to where we, we put our mate down. I'm not talking about constructive criticism. I'm talking about insults. And a lot of marriages, they uh, degrade to that point to where an insult will slip out. And after a while, and then it hurts. And then after a while, you get used to insulting. 
and now insults become common. Nagging, insulting, uh, putting your mate down. Listen, <laughs> if there's any place in the world that we should feel safe emotionally, safe in our head, safe with our being, our psyche, our our, 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 our person, it should be the home. It should be the home. Hey, home's where you walk around in your underwear, right? Right? Home is where you are the king and the queen of the castle. Home is where you can shut the door and shut the world out. But if the heart's not right in the home... You're not just shutting the bad out of the world. You're locking the bad in. And so what happens is you're there with a mate who's constantly ridiculing you. And some people, some people aren't happy unless they're ridiculing their mate and they know that it's bothering their mate. They know it's upsetting their mate. And when you, if you live... In an environment like that, they're making fun of your body. They're making fun of what, how you do things. They're, they're putting you down. You, you don't measure up. Whatever it is, you live in a place like that. And then you go to work or you go to the gym. You go out on the walking track walking around. There's someone about your age that starts coming and you pass niceties. The next thing you know, you're walking together. And that person is not giving you the bitter words that stab you in the heart. They're giving you words that drip sweet like honey from a honeycomb. There is going to be a natural gravitation to that person. Even if you know it's wrong, the flesh, just like a kid, man, when I was a kid, if I had any kind of boo-boo on me, any kind of cut, whatever, it seemed like I was about to die until my mother put my Band-Aid on. And when the Band-Aid went on there, everything was fine. If the Band-Aid could cover it up, I would be okay. That's how I felt in my mind when I was real little. The heart gets wounded. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. Listen, ladies, your man may have muscles on him. He may be tough on the outside. But I guarantee you, you say evil words to him and you put him down, you hurt his manhood. He's going to be injured on the inside. Just like a woman, he'll be injured. May not act like it, he'll be hurting. And sweet words come dropping down to his ears. And just like a kid crying for a band-aid, he's going to reach out for that. It's going to make him or her vulnerable. Man, when you're in the home... You find something right about your mate and you praise your mate. If your mate's rotten, well, they're rotten. You can't praise rottenness. But you know what? You can do your best to try to make that person feel safe in who they are. They drop as a honeycomb. Her words are so sweet. She's always happy to see you. Man, I, I feel sorry because there's people... Who go to work and who come home 
And when they come home, they walk in the door, and when they see their husband or their wife, they get a sick feeling in their stomach. Their, their, their spouse comes in the driveway, and they get all tense. Some of y'all may have lived that life before. But not with the strange woman. She's always happy to see you. She finds you very interesting. She flirts with you. Ladies, you know what you need to do with your husband? You need to flirt with him. You do. You're not flirting with him? Shame on you. Flirt with him. Guys, you need to flirt with her. Flirt back. She never has anything negative to say to you. The strange woman doesn't. Never anything negative to say to you. I tell my wife all the time, when I leave work, you know what I tell, you, tell her? I say, you make it hard to go to work and easy to come home. That's what I tell her. Hard to go to work and easy to come home. I hate leaving her, can't wait to get back. If I could find some way to pay the bills without it, I wouldn't leave. That's the way it ought to be. That's the way life ought to be. That's the way marriage ought to be. She never has anything to say about you. And the sweetness of the strange woman's words or the sweetness of the strange man's words, they are fattening you up so they can butcher you like a calf. They are. Sweet words are powerful words. And we'll say that again. Now, this is not just for the strange woman. This is for your husband and wife. Listen now. Husbands, listen, wives, sweet words. We're learning this from the Scriptures. He says, be careful because her words drip like honey. What's Solomon insinuating there? Sweet words are powerful words. What kind of pep talk do you think the devil did to get those angels to follow him? You think he told them all the bad stuff? No, his words drip like honey. And they fell for them. Sweet words are powerful words. And if those sweet words can influence you to do wrong, then sweet words can influence you to do right. If sweet words can build you up in an unrighteous way, how much more can sweet words build you up in a righteous, in a godly way? Put the bitterness out of the house. All the times I've read the Bible, I've seen God shoot straight with His people. I've seen Him tell them like it is. I've seen Him warn them and be very frank with what He thinks about their actions. But I've never seen God ever try to put people down. I've only seen Him be frank so that He can lift those people up. That's the way it should always be in our home. As a strange woman can use sweet words to slay a man, so his wife can use sweet words to strengthen him. After eating one of my wife's fantastic meals, often crave something sweet to eat. And ask my wife, I'll eat, I can even stuff myself, and when I get through, I lean back and I say, I need some cookies. My wife calls me the cookie monster. I say, I need some cookies. My wife fixed trout and steamed vegetables the other night and roasted potatoes. And when I finished eating, that's 
what I said. I want some cookies now. After we eat something spicy or savory, we often crave something sweet. But listen. If I would have had a big old piece of chocolate cake. If for supper, instead of having the trout and the salmon and whatever, if she'd have brought me a big old piece of chocolate cake, and I ate that chocolate cake, I wouldn't have wanted any cookies. I wouldn't have craved any cookies. What's the point? A little sweetness goes a long way. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24... Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24. Pleasant words. You listening now? Pleasant words are as an honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Not only. What are sweet words? They're words that are pleasant. Words that are pleasing to your ears. My wife probably grows tired of me telling her how pretty she is all the time. I want to spoil her rotten in a good way. I want to make her feel secure in a good way. We should do that. If we give our spouses sweet words and we give it to them enough, It'll be like stuffing them with chocolate cake. You know? And then when they go out to the gym or they go out to the walking track or they go out to work and then some sweet words drip from a woman's mouth, they're going to think, no thanks, I don't need any cookies. I had cake at home. You see what I'm saying? Pleasant words. Oh, let your house be a retreat for your spouse. Something they can roll into from work or from shopping or wherever. And here's sweetness. The first thing your spouse should see when they walk in the door is a smile. And they should get a hug. Here's a kingdom truth. If you will speak pleasant words to your spouses at home... And they will already be full of sweets when they show up for work. Our bitter words are harsh words, condescending words to our spouses. And they make them prime victims for sweet-lipped strangers who know how to use the power of the tongue. Solomon said her words drop like honey. Look back in the text. And her mouth is smoother than oil. Leah, sit down in the pew, sugar. Thank you. Huh? Oh, then go ahead, sugar. Go on. I'm sorry. I thought her mother was telling her to come back. Her mother was telling her to go on. Thank you. I'm sorry. I was trying to help her mom. (laughs) All right. Any other kids want to get up? You just stay down right now. All right. Her mouth is smoother than oil. Now, what does that mean, smoother than oil? He's a smooth operator, right? What what, what does it mean, smoother than oil? Well, think about this. What's the opposite of smooth? Rough. Abrasive. 
Her words are not rough. They are not abrasive. If you have to talk to your spouse about something that's critical, about something that um, may be negative about them, because we all have negative stuff, right? We all have negative stuff. And if your spouse comes to you, or if you have to speak to your spouse about something like that, your words need to be smoother than oil. They don't need to be abrasive. They need to be kind. They, they need to flow and not be rough. Don't be rough with your spouse. Nobody wants to be around abrasive people. When someone doesn't treat us with respect, we say they what? Rub us the wrong way. They're abrasive. And they go against the grain. But the stranger's too smart for that. He or she knows how to catch her woman or how to catch how to catch his woman or how to catch her man. Their words never rub their victims the wrong way. They're always smooth as oil, sliding pleasantly across their ears. That's the way our words need to be. Pleasing to the ears, even if it's something we're confronting them about, pleasing to the ears, setting their hearts at ease and making them feel comfortable, respected, and right at home. And if you think your spouse isn't worthy of sweet, smooth words, then you better think again. There's a woman I used to work with at the courthouse who married her co-worker they were in the same office. They weren't married originally. He was married to some other woman. And she was telling me one day how the two of them got together. She said, his wife ran off and left him. And I thought to myself, he's a good man. I'll take him. Here, this woman couldn't stand this man. She ran off and left him. Another woman's been watching him at work all those years. When she realizes his wife let out on him, she thinks to herself, that's a good man right there. I'll take him. If you look for something negative in someone, and listen, if you're li- when you're living with your spouse, you see everything. You see the good, the bad, the ugly. And if you look for something negative in someone, you'll be sure to find it. Because we all have faults. But if you'll praise the positive, then you can help your spouse overcome the negative. I'm going to say that again. If you will praise the positive, you can help your spouse overcome the negative. Fill them up with sweets. So they'll not be starving for dessert when they show up for work. Here's a kingdom truth. Pleasant words make a pleasant home. You'd think you wouldn't have to say that. But it's true. Pleasant words make a pleasant home. Husbands and wives be honey and oil. That's what I want you to take from this message tonight. Be honey and oil. The church, whether your wife fills you up with sweets or not, whether your husband fills you up with sweets or not, 
you better know that any person willing to destroy your marriage is willing to destroy you. Any person knowing that you're married and they're willing to destroy your marriage to break up your home, they're willing to destroy you. She has sweet, smooth words in the beginning, Solomon said. Look in verse 4, but her end is bitter as wormwood. You may think that person is sweet. Their words may drip like honey in the beginning. Feels so good to hear those things. I was so lonely and I began listening and paying attention. I can just hear those people talk, you know. I was so vulnerable. They may be dripping like honey in the beginning. But once you swallow them, that which was sweet to your ears will be bitter to your belly. You never get a tummy ache when you put junk in your mouth. It's only later after it hits your belly. It's the same way with a relationship. If you have a relationship that's not a godly relationship, one that's an adulterous relationship, one that's built on fornication, it may be sweet in the beginning, but it'll be bitter in the end. It'll be bitter. Her words may be smooth as oil on your ears. But in the end, the words will be, look back in your text, sharp as a two-edged sword. Now that's abrasive right there. That's cutting right there. She may not cut you with her words in the beginning, but in the end, you'll be cut. That which rolled smoothly across your ears will in the end cut your heart. I know a man who left his wife a few years back for a new exciting woman. She told him what he wanted to hear. And he fell into her trap. All seemed well in the beginning. But it was heartache in the end. When all was said and done. And his family was broken. And he was miserable. He told me, I know now why God hates divorce. In the Garden of Eden, the serpent's words dropped like honey, but in the end they cut like a sword, and they're still cutting. God's words are smooth and sweet from beginning to end. And if they are abrasive, they're only abrasive because we are the ones rubbing the wrong way. We are the ones walking counter to the will of God. And if we'll turn at His rebuke, they'll be sweet and smooth to us. So if you're starving for pleasant words, don't get your honey from the stranger. Get it from the Scripture. For your spouse may not give it to you, but your Savior always will. For that, we'll close. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your precious word. Thank you for your instruction, Father, in righteousness to us tonight. Thank you for speaking so plain to us, so candid to us, Lord, about what to avoid and how that when the strange woman comes, it makes our doors vulnerable for her to creep in and steal the wisdom that we had been taught in the past.
And when sin approaches, help us to deadbolt the doors of our hearts and retain the wisdom you've given us and walk therein. Save our families. Save our homes. Keep our hearts faithful to our spouses. And may our pleasant words drip like honey and oil in our house. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.